0: You're listening to The Fabric Podcast. We've moved into the final weeks with the leadership of Fabric's fearless leader, Greg Meyer. As we celebrate his work and presence among us, we're trying to squeeze out some of the most potent aspects of what Greg has brought to our community. In this episode, you'll hear a conversation perhaps even more casual and candid than usual. We called The Pitcher at the Plate, a Q&R session, kind of like Q&A, but question and response rather than answer. All of this that we're calling The Gospel According to Greg. Oh, and it's worth noting, too, that at the end of this gathering, Fabric regulars voted unanimously to welcome Ian McConnell as Fabric's next leader. So stay tuned for lots more there. Here's Greg.
1: Today, we are doing something I have never done in my all my years here, and that is do a Q&R session with you guys. I got a few remarks just to kind of open it up. Um, but. Uh, uh, Q&R means question and response. Uh, you're probably all familiar with Q&A, question and answers. I'm really short on answers, um, and I don't trust most of them that I have. So I like to think of them as responses, and um, often the responses is, is something I'll, I'll dig into just in a little bit here. But it all comes from uh, this idea that I've had since before I started Fabric, and uh, kind of fits in with the, kind of my suspicion of not only answers but certainty. Um, but rather conviction, but I, I consider myself as a speaker on Sunday morning to be the initiator of a conversation. I have a, this is my pitching mound, all right? So I pitch for my pitching mound, and you kind of expect me or someone else, you know, Melissa, others, Chris, a little hi, to be up here. And when we are up here, we aren't telling you the way it is. We aren't telling you this is what you're supposed to believe, this is what you're supposed to do, but we try to dig into some of these conversations that matter that we've spent a lot of time kind of listening to ourselves, listening to the world around us, listening to you guys, sort of thinking, I think this is something we need to be talking about. This is something that it's important enough for all of us to dig into. So we try to do enough work to have something to say about it to bring an important conversation to you and open it up with enough ideas that it then can be in your hand. And we trust you with that, all right? You don't need to listen to what I say and go away saying, boy, I'm sure glad I know the answers to this, but rather... um, all right, I have a lot of momentum, information, ideas, maybe some passion around these things, and um, I'm going to figure out what this means in my life right now. And if you're like me, what it means in your life right now will be different next year and next year and next year, which is why I'm kind of suspicious about certainty. Anyway, so um, that's kind of what that's about. So I am at my um, pitching mound here, and uh, and you're going to get it. Well, we're going to kind of reverse those roles a little bit but I you know, want to get you, uh, um, you know, wrestling with some of this stuff. And wrestling is an important word with all that. So question response, um, you're welcome. Your questions uh, are welcome to be challenging, all right? It isn't like, just, yeah, ask what you're interested in, and I'll respond according to it. So the gospel according to Greg isn't like, well, this is the truth about everything, but it's just kind of my perspective on things. It's a slightly heretical way of saying that, right? Uh, which is kind of like me. But the point is that um, when I'm up here at the pitching mound, you're at the plate, right? So I pitch to you. Good catch, Mike. Thank you. Um, But Mike's going to swing at that, right? And he's going to decide what he wants to swing at. And the ball's going to go where he hits it, not where I pitch it. And that's how it is, right? Can I have that back? Thank you. Um, So that's how. My pitching mound. All of us here that speak, we, have, we, we pitch from our pitching mound. I hope, most of you are probably pretty familiar with my pitching mound. You could probably articulate it about as well as I could. This is what kind of Greg's about. And I don't pitch from there so that you will have an identical pitching mound. No, I do it so that you can be at the plate and you can put the ball into play into your life and the community and the world around you. So that's pretty important. The other thing to know is, like, this is not um, hardball, right? I am not uh, pitching to try to strike you out. I like to give nice, easy lobs right? so you can really play it back. And and exactly what uh, um, Daryl did with me there was, today we're reversing those roles, right? So I'm at the plate, and you guys are going to be pitching to me. And that's what we want to do with this pitching mound and what we're going to talk about. And um, so question and response, not question and answers, and uh, even better questions. we took our family to the Bakken Museum up by Bede If you don't know it's a museum of, of electricity, uh, kind of coming from Medtronics origins. Um, the Lilleha family has some history going back from the early days when Bakken was discovering the uh, the um, pacemaker he can Chris can tell you some good stories about that uh, but it, it's it's also even more than a museum about electricity, it's a museum about questions. And they would say that they figured out what they figured out because they learned to ask better questions. And they have a great display when you go in there. One of the first things you're going to run into is this question reframe thing. Um, And at the very bottom there, this is what it says. Great innovations aren't always solutions. Sometimes the key to innovation is an ambitious, frame-changing question that sends us down unexpected paths. The right question helps shine a light on the roots of the challenges we face and helps us see where opportunities lie. When tackling big problems, you need to ask big questions. I was ready to sue them for co- you know, copyright infringement. <laughs> like, this is so fabric. But it is wonderful to know that a lot of people are thinking this way and understanding that way. I mean, our biggest roadblocks aren't because we don't know the answers, but because we don't know the question yet. And we've got to keep finding new questions. And so this is kind of an opportunity for us to do this. So the whole community is an opportunity to find, what are the questions that really matter? Um, and that, let's not worry about the answers, but let's ask these questions and see where they lead us. And uh, they, you, Usually what a good question does is leads you to even a, an even better question. So that's kind of an important thing to do. Anyway, so if you go on here, they have a couple of examples. Like, these are some places where we're stuck as a society because we just ask bad questions, like the questions, how can we use cars less often? Um, or how can I make less garbage? Those are things, we need to use our cars less often, we need to make less garbage because we're drowning at one and you we're know, just consuming our planet with the other. And, but they're kind of like, I don't know how to, how to answer these questions. So they just give you an example of some better questions, like why are we so dependent on cars? Oh. You know, that kind of, that's, that's a great question reframe. It's one that I maybe could make some progress on. Or, when does something become garbage? Huh. You know, so, good examples, I think, of what that better question concept is all about. So at this point, um, Melissa, you want to come down? Um, Anyway, so, uh, I, I would invite just like, so what are you thinking about? What are some questions you have? If you look on your Sunday paper, the back of it, I didn't bring mine up here, but on the back of it, you'll see a whole lot of our fabricisms, things that uh, themes that have uh, recurred over and over and over that we keep coming back to, that we find have been instructive in helping us find our course and ask the, the better questions. So uh, you know, some of those might tip off some things. And uh, uh, yeah, so feel free to do that. And there are no dumb questions, no bad questions, no wrong questions. I have an
2: illustration for that. Okay. Um, one of the things on here is this one, if you twirl it around, um, it says, vision leaks. And I have to confess that until maybe it was even this year, I thought that was a bad thing or a good thing. or I get confused. Like, do we want it to leak or do we not? <laughs> so tell us about vision what? leaks.
1: Yeah. So what, what does what do that mean? mean? I mean, that's one you may not hear so much, but it's something we practice as leaders constantly. And that is, I think... Truly, I believe as a leader of a community like this, the only thing I have, well, there are really only two things I have. One is my vision, the vision for this community, and the other is your trust. So I need to have a vision, I need to earn your trust. But the vision uh, is we, we lose vision easily. I mean, you guys are all busy. This is not your job to be thinking about what fabric should be about and what we should be doing and how we should be doing it day in and day out. That's my job, right? So I don't expect you to do that. What people do is, you know, vision turns into tasks really quickly. We have this vision, I agree with it, and it means I do this and this and this. But the vision gets replaced with this and this and this. And, you know, and it often just kind of gets lost. So a reality as a leader is to realize that vision leaks and so, how do we, if the if these things, there's some elements about fabric are that are important. How do we repeat them constantly to keep, you know, keep that vision full, knowing that it's always leaking? Um,
2: I've got some new questions coming in. You've got already. some coming in. Yeah. So,
1: so that would lead to the, another thing, which isn't on here, but for me is called creative redundancy. How do we, how do I talk? How do we do a whole series on relationships to help us keep our relationships vision oriented? Um, but not just be repeating ourselves.
2: Okay, here's one. Um, what are the biggest, most important takeaways from the Bible or God that Jeez. we should try to make sure our kids grasp as they grow up?
1: Oh, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want softball. Yeah, um, <laughs> but also like if it's big enough to bowl me over, that's kind of uh, that's a, a big question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how would we answer that? I'm trying to think of uh, what's at the heart of that question. Is I hear someone saying, I want my kids to grow up with, um, can we call it a faith, with a, a three-stranded view of the world. And for those, I know there's some new folks here today, and you probably have no idea, like, what are these people talking about and why are they doing this? Um, but we, we talk about our three strands of self and others and that third strand, God. Yahweh, Elohim, you know, whatever your language, the higher power, the divine, um, that which is beyond us. And are we even alive our lives together? And I want my kids to grow up doing that. And I found that, this is true for me and probably for many of you, that I found that in the Bible was a major source, a major place that helped me put those pieces together. But um, one of my greatest fears is to actually give one of you a Bible and just say, read it, because you will drown in this. And there's a lot of stuff in here without a lot... That is not helpful, at least at surface level. Um, scholars, try f- yeah, scholars trying to find there's got to be something good in this story, <laughs> um, or in this idea. So, re- read me that question. What's most important for our kids to?
2: What do we want to? Um, what sh- What should we try to make sure our kids grasp as they grow up? What do we want our kids to take away from? This
1: yeah. wrestling
2: that we do together.
1: You know, so I really do think for, to give, um, help our kids grow up in a way that where they tangibly see uh, the fact that they are not alone, but they are there with others and that they're with that which is greater than all of us, with God, and that, you know, life isn't necessarily easier and better, but we, but it's fuller, it's, we're more resilient, we're stronger when we bring those things together. And to root that in things that are greater than us, it does not need to be restricted to the stories in the Bible, but I think the Bible can be um, is one of the great places to, to do that, but it's very nuanced. I mean, and to help a child go from how a 5-year-old uh, a f- a might be hearing Bible stories to how the 13-year-old or the 18-year-old or the 21-year-old is going to hear those stories and struggle with them and fight against them and so on is, is really complicated and... Um, um, but I, th- I think continuing to surround and listening to their questions, not trying to make them conform, allow them to rebel. I don't know, what do you...
2: I, I have some bigger people that have grown up in this, and um, they know that there are people who care about them, and they know, they know it's okay to ask questions, and um, I feel like that's pretty huge. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of great questions coming in. You ready?
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't feel like I've fully done justice to that, but I probably won't do any of them. So. Well, this
2: is sort of related. Um, and by
1: the way, you can always make appointments for me to go have a beer sometime and talk more about any of these. I'm open, few pain.
2: So... <laughs> Well, I think that question was a little bit about, like, what's the foundation that we're giving our kids, right? And um, this question is, is interesting. Sometimes when we say, you know, we have a song, I don't know, you don't know, we don't know, there are no answers, you know, it feels like there is not a strong foundation to lean on. How do we reconcile that w- while not being judgmental? Uh,
1: so... <laughs> so <laughs> So I really, uh, yeah, there's some ideas up there on the screen. I, see. Um, I really believe in the distinction between conviction and certainty, and you hear me talk about that a lot. I talk about our two continuums. There's certainty, which uses, politely or impolitely, coercion to create conformity, or there is conviction, which people find compelling. That creates a conversation which goes on and and helps makes real growth, honest growth happen, and people have real ownership of ideas and so on. And I I really think the response to that is like, so we're like, for me to say, I don't know, we don't know, is that oh no, I'm groundless, or does that mean? no, I think I can live in the discomfort and let things actually be what they are because this world is too big for you to handle. I mean, you, you cannot understand what is going on in this world or even in your own life. You, you cannot. And that doesn't mean you can't have conviction about what you believe right now and what's really important to you, and you can't work hard to articulate that and share with other people. But as soon as you try to turn it into certainty and say it's this way, not that way, you're probably only right in a very, very small manifestation of that idea or concept or whatever. As soon as you get beyond those boundaries, you're going to find out it doesn't work anymore. My answer no longer fits. And um, um, so, so conviction is, is, is squishy. We've, we did um, um, interesting. I mean, like, we all like things straightforward and cleaned up. We don't like things messy. But we, m- many times over, I don't think we've done it just in the last couple of years, but many times over, we've... We've had groups of people get together around fabric to figure out what is the most important thing about fabric. And Every time, the number one value was messy. People valued the fact that we let things be messy. That doesn't mean done poorly, that doesn't mean not thought out, that doesn't mean that we don't try hard, but we don't try to squeeze something out of who we are, or what do we expect of each other, or what we're trying to figure out that isn't actually there. We're willing to let it still be a little bit of a mess, even maybe a lot of bit of a mess. And you know, I might because I work really hard on the stuff that I prepare to talk to you about. So I may come across like really pulled together and got to get this. You know, I've got this. I'm not messy. Just ask my family; they're all there in that role. You know, it just yeah. So then, I mean,
2: is there stability there? Is there okayness? Is there peace? And where does that come from? So that's
1: the. On the 21st, I'll be talking about that. Um,
2: but not today.
1: <laughs> my quick answer is, if you watch a couple dancing, I mean, something more than just the two-step, and, um, and you, watch, you say, oh, they're in perfect balance, and, and their movement is so beautiful and so graceful, but if you take a still of them at almost any point, you would realize that is unsustainable. If they tried to stop that way, they would tip over. So their stability is in motion, is in their motion, not in that moment. And we want to find it in this moment. We want to drive a stake down right here. And that's not life. Life keeps moving. Life is changing. Um, It's in motion. So your stability in that uncertainty is that um, just a confession, a letting go uh, and a holding on at the same time. Yeah, it's it's a, a paradox, which is... More than having two peers in front of your cabin. A pair of docks. (laughs) Docks? Sorry. Okay. I can't resist We will miss
2: your jokes so much.
1: Can I have that in writing? Okay.
2: Um, Well, I think, oh, you guys are so good. Um, Let's just get real. I mean, this is a pretty, this is a kind of personal question about how do you pray? How do you, how do you practice that connection, um, that conversation?
1: I tried to talk about this. Uh, what was the stuff that works um, just before Christmas? Um, I I definitely use like moments when I actually stop and pray. And God box. We talk about God boxes here. Like what you know, we we need a God box to be able to articulate, understand, grasp God. We just have to realize that it's temporary and it needs to keep growing. Uh, so I've got a God box, and I have language and names and stuff that I will use. I'll be within there, um, but but to me, my goal is is uh, you know the b- biblical passage to learn to pray without ceasing, and that doesn't mean pray all the time in a formal way. It means to understand everything I do as prayer. So you know, I get more jokes about sitting up the chairs here on, on Sunday morning when I, you know because I'm the chairmeister here. Who is it asked me what I was going <laughs> to Matt asked me, what are you going to do on Sunday mornings after you retire? Like, go move all the furniture in your house? <laughs> um, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. It probably will. Um, but really, I mean, for me, it's like, how do I turn that task into prayer? I think about you guys. I know where you sit. I know Francis sits in that chair every time. Um, so when I move that chair, I think of Francis. Um, yeah, like, how can I turn everything I do into something that is woven, right? And that I'm, I'm feeling connected with it. And there's a purpose. There's a meaning behind it. Even pain and suffering, even the hard stuff. How can those moments, how can those things be a weaving rather than just something that happened? And um, is that an answer? Is that a response? That's my response. Thank you. I, I, you, just, you can't pray enough. Um, yeah.
2: Um, well, here's a very practicable thing practical one how should we think about balancing time and financial resources on our spiritual journeys which feels selfish sometimes versus helping others in greater need
1: go and Ooh. sell all that you have and give to the poor and follow me yeah.
2: Someone really said that she's, i think
1: she's going to talk about that in four weeks um uh, yeah, yeah. That balance of generosity, of when we are in the top what five percent of the world's population in terms of wealth and comfort and security, you know, um, and then this, the extra stuff that we do to make sure we have enough of that for ourselves is really hard to balance. I, I wish um, I had a, I wish I knew how to do that myself. Um, I, I do, I do believe that finances. Your finances are a deeply spiritual question. Um, they are not, that is not a secular, I, I don't believe in the split between sacred and secular. Less, I think it's all part of one, right? So to see everything, that's to, to pray without seizing is to see everything as sacred. And, and I really do believe that if your, if your finances are out of control, then your finances are calling the shots in your life that dollar, that job, that whatever is calling the shots in your life, not your values, not what you think your life is about, not what you want it to be about, but you're having to do what your finances dictate. So that is why we do a major thing for everyone in this community, have a budget they can live on um, and help to stay on it, and a way to get out of um, unsecured debt and to be able to stay out of that. We don't, you know, and we know that's always a work in process, so it'll always keep going on. And then to make that budget actually, the next step is once you get there, then you can start making your budget reflect your values more too. You can start moving it incrementally to reflect what really is important to your world and become more generous. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, open hearts, <laughs> open hands, share what you can. Um, believe in generosity more than financial Pray security. Pray without
2: ceasing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's in every moment. We, yeah. we want that, but I wanna know the answer. I want to know the right way. The right, it's, yeah. Ugh. Okay, let's, we're going to zoom out a little more um, to a question about other faith traditions and wondering what pieces of other faith traditions, Christian and non-Christian, and other thought traditions I'm going to add to that have informed your personal oh, journey.
1: Well, I, I mean, I, I, I grew up in the Christian tradition and uh, went, you know studied that well it was you know learned a lot about it then in college and then in graduate school and so on and then been practicing it so there's no doubt about it when it comes to all the you know the great wisdom traditions that we have around our world uh, I I know so much about this including the languages it was written in that I just can't bring, I just can't work with other traditions with the fluency I can work with this um, and I really do believe as imperfect or only one manifestation of God's presence in the world that the Bible represents, there's more here than any of us can ever unpack in our lifetime. You know, So I don't feel like I need to apologize for that, I just need to learn how to use this really well. And that means spending time with it, um, becoming fluent with it, um, asking hard questions, revisiting, talking to other people, never doing it alone, um, But uh, but I certainly have I mean, have impacts from other religions and um, religions, to you know, are, are all man made constructions, human made constructions. I don't think God delivered Christianity. I don't believe Jesus was a Christian um, because that's an institution, right? It didn't even exist yet. Um, I mean, that's so that we have institutions in our world that we use, but um, I, I think to have a really strong base somewhere is important. And for me, it's in the the Judeo-Christian tradition. Um, But I think to not let that be exclusive and to reach out, that would be probably one of my goals, to try to reach out more. I mean, it's certainly been influenced by Buddhism, um, Hinduism. Um, I lived in Papua New Guinea for seven years among people who have an animistic, I wouldn't even call it a religion, um, but an animistic relationship with their world, and learned an enormous amount about Uh, a a completely different way of interacting with the world and the things that we would call spiritual or divine and so on. And while I didn't buy that because um, animistic, meaning all the world is spirit-filled, it's animated. Everything is animated. And so not necessarily, like, the Papua New Guineans did not have a god. Um, They just, but everything had spirits, and everything had meaning, it was... um, even saying everything had a spirit, some things did, but everything, kind of like um, the indigenous people in this country, everything had life that was in and of itself. Um, and you were always related to that. And in more of a, uh, they ask who questions, not what questions, you know, or why questions. It's always a who, even if they're talking about the grass or the field or the, the animals and things like that. So I don't know. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Okay.
1: My, uh, Science
2: and math, too, are in your background?
1: Yes, right. I was a science math geek. I thought that's where I was going. Um that's that's a you got to buy a beer to get that full question cuz it's too long. <laughs> okay. um, but I really I think it's really important. I think it's really served me well um, to have that background. I find it just fascinating, okay. so. And it's not a clash between them. Oh, is there a clash between science and religion?
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, to me, absolutely none. <laughs> Um, I think the deeper you get into either, the more you find the, op- the other one. Um, no, there's no, there's no clash there, but yeah. Uh,
2: this is an interesting one, uh, kind of practical again to some of the things that work around here, one of them is buses. And this person's often wondered, how many buses can or should one person be on, and does it dilute what each person brings to a bus if they're on a lot of buses? <laughs> so it's kind of, so,
1: yeah. So the bus, like, yeah. Who knows, who knows? Who can name all the bus seats? I can. All right.
2: <laughs> You're such a good student of yourself.
1: I am. <laughs> I tell you, that great guy, he is so smart. Um, yeah, well, I mean, and there's nothing sacred about the bus seats. These are, again, it's a conversation starter, but there's, you have, on your bus are six seats. There's the learner, and then there's the, um, the mentee, the person who learns from you, right? So the person, uh, your mentor, and then the, your learner. Then there is, now I'm going to... Stretcher. The stretcher.
0: Encourager. And,
1: and the encourager. And then there is the um, uh, yin to your yang, and what? Oh, geez, now I'm stuck.
2: Truth teller, truth teller.
1: Thank you, truth teller. But um, yeah, I mean, so I think it's really important to have all those people on your bus—the people you turn to for the right things—and you get balanced information, balanced um, input from people. You can be on too many buses. Yeah, you definitely can. I mean, I think that's a boundary sort of thing. Um, and you can, and you know, it's not always a lifetime assignment. I mean, maybe you just serve as someone's truth teller for a moment. You know, one time—that's not that big a deal. But. Um, I do think you will be well served to actually know be able to fill in the names of the people and you can have more than one percent right of that bus and some that you would turn to you might have a professional truth teller and you might have an interpersonal <laughs> truth teller right those could be different kinds of roles but uh, i would I would do that, but then also um, yeah, watch your boundaries, don't overdo it. Kind of fits with care IQ right and the f- number one question to care IQ is what's, what's my, my- Role. Thank you. Thank role. you. What's my role, right?
2: Okay. How does time dilation work? <laughs> I don't even know what that is.
1: <laughs> yeah, you? I don't think it works. <laughs> Fifth amendment. What is it? What's time dilation? Someone is this I,
2: a, I don't think it's a
1: Someone just messing with me. Yeah, I
2: think it might be a middle schooler. I don't know. Okay. Um <laughs> Or a high schooler. I don't know. Okay. It wasn't me this
1: time, okay no uh, all right. Shoot.
2: All right. Um, also, we do have people with microphones, Brian and Katie, oh, yeah. and we didn't even invite people to let. You can ask live questions if you want. Um, and also, what time do we want to end? I've, I should know that. It's 23. Yes. Can we just dilate time somehow? Like, dilate, yeah. Yeah.
1: Let's, let's, go, let's go for four minutes. Okay. 25 after.
2: If you had a magic wand to fix, one misunderstanding, what would you fix?
1: Well, it depends on what scale we're talking I mean, I actually have an instantaneous response to that. Um, yes. I mean, there's a lot of areas, but as I think about fabric, I think one of the biggest problems of Trying to create fabric, which I think hundreds of thousands of people are looking for, I think tens of thousands in the Twin Cities are looking for is the misunderstanding of what church is at all. Um, people think it's either um, boring and irrelevant or crazy and dangerous yeah. and um, and we and we can't not say we're a church because that just is weird and dishonest, you know. And um, but we can't say we're a church without one of those, without being thrown into one of those camps. So it's really hard to get a hearing. And I wish people, if if people could just hear, if people could see church as something they are, not something they go to, but believe it's just people pulling together to, you know, figure out life together. I get teary trying to talk about this. In a, in a three-stranded way, I mean, I, you know, I, I think um, we, couldn't, we couldn't build fabrics fast enough for people. I really think people are looking for this, and um, or are versions of this, you know, so. I got a, a
2: couple, few versions of this question that I actually think is related to what you just talked about, which is about heaven. And what are our hunches, Your, what are your hunches about what life after our time on earth would it be everlasting? Is heaven real? All the heaven questions. Um, I mean, when we've lost somebody, yeah. this matters, Yeah, right? no, it does. And we've all lost, we've probably all lost somebody.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, start on a lighter note. Um, before I started Fabric in my earliest Fabric, I was doing a lot of teaching around the country on church transitioning and stuff, and I worked with a lot of very evangelical church leaders, and I remember being at a restaurant once, and someone asked me, Greg, do you know you're going to heaven or not? And I said, well, I really don't worry about it, because if I go to heaven, that's great, because I'll be in heaven. If I don't, well, at least I'll be with all my friends. Um, <laughs> we'll see you guys there. Um uh, now, you know, truly, um, I, I, I mean, obviously, like, God doesn't ask me these things. So, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But I really, I, I truly don't worry about it at all. I, I mean, one, I, I have no control over it. I truly do not, I cannot see any scenario in which something like what we call hell exists. If God is all-loving, then God is all-loving. That's it. Um, That's it. I mean that's just plain it, you know. Even Jesus says, that, you know, what what parent whose child asks him for you know, a loaf of bread will give them a stone? If your earthly father loves you that much, how much more would your you know heavenly father love you? Well, my dad would never have sent me to hell, you know, or given me a you know. And if God is so much better, I, it just no, you know, whatever is beyond this is gonna be okay and. I don't know i mean we we just know so much even this is where science and faith come together i mean science is starting to show us that we really have no idea what reality even is i mean so um you know i who knows the you know the possibilities of what it might exist for us beyond this i I mean we the only way we can think about it is to think of some sort of human version some really nice human thing and i think that's fine go with that but we don't know Um, i certainly don't worry about anything i think it's good, but it is good. Yeah, we have a last one there. Okay, it's going to be really good. And right I do now. have
2: one last all one right. from here. Too. I'll be
1: faster. Uh,
0: so this question is related to what you just said about how God is all loving. Do you think that the God of the Old Testament was fundamentally different than the God of the New Testament?
2: Thank you.
1: So I think the Bible. This is the God of the Old Testament fundamentally different than the God of the New Testament. No, I don't think so because you really find all the New Testament themes in the Old Testament. I really believe that the Bible was the people who are trying to un- figure out who this God is, what this God thing is. It is the history of their discovering what God is. Not um, not you know, God's autobiography. Explainer. Explaining, this is who I am, this is what I do. And, and, the, and people were wrestling with all this stuff and writing their insights and evolving and trying to figure out all these things. Um, the whole time so I don't know God doesn't change uh, what God is doesn't change but our understanding that perceiving our God box does and I, I think if you read the Old Testament even and the New Testament as people the evolution of understanding a very lumpy evolution and not uh, not everybody together but all kinds of different strands going all different directions so if directions. we're feeling
2: lumpy and not all together we're doing it we're doing like it like they did it
1: Yeah, and that's what it's like. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were
2: a few biblical-related questions, like how do we deal with the absurdity and how do we um, wrestle with the Bible without, like, all of the training that you've had and, like, without, I mean, yeah. So a lot of those that I'm going to say we're going to set down for now. Okay. And then one last uh, question. Did you wear the shirt from the photo? (laughs) On purpose today. I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that, I actually had an answer for that one. Yeah. That was, it was, that was a so yes weird. and no.
2: It was like a straightforward closed question.
1: Well, thank right. you, you guys. Um, it feels really kind of self-indulgent to sit here and just respond to your questions about this, but uh, yeah, let's keep it going. Um, send questions on to me, and I'll send questions back to you. And. Hopefully, my response is just get you thinking and you can involve your own thoughts and you can talk about that when you go to your groups or at home or dinner. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks, Greg.
0: Thanks for listening. May this simply be the start of the conversation. Reach out if you want help connecting with a group virtually or in the Twin Cities and tag at Fabric MPLS with your own thoughts on social media. You can also stay up to date and find other resources on our website, fabricmpls.com.